welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. to welcome you here to Christian Life Church on this great Wednesday night. Uh, you are incredible people. You're extraordinary people. We're talking about that for the third Wednesday night tonight. But I, I've got some something I want to kind of push here. All the ladies, there's a two-day conference. Friday, 7 o'clock till 10 o'clock. Saturday, 9 to 4 and the speaker that's coming is going to be phenomenal. He spoke at our, our uh, volunteer retreat and absolutely was incredulous, just blew us away. And uh, we are delighted that he's going to be here for our ladies' conference. His name is Jeremy Foster. He has, a, he has a service, a church that is connected with Grace Church in, in Humboldt called 429 on Saturday evening. And he is, he has between seven and eight hundred young people every Saturday evening. So he has, uh, he has built a wonderful, wonderful youth church. He's a very energetic young man, extremely communicative, just a tremendous speaker. And he will have you laughing and then wiping your eyes crying. He's that kind of guy. He's just incredible. I've known him since he was a pup, and I don't let him ever forget that. And uh, he is just a great, great guy. And he's going to be here for you ladies. And so let, let, me, let me say something to you. Let me say something to you ladies. If you are having some financial difficulties right after Christmas, and many of you have uh, probably, uh, you might have, might have, some of you may have overspent your Christmas budget. And uh, if you have, if you'll come to me after church and, and just tell me, Pastor, if you'll help me out, I, I'd appreciate it. We'll help you. The church will help you. I want you to be here at this conference. I want you to be here at this conference called balance and it's going to be a tremendous time for all ladies and uh, you need to be a part of that because you need the camaraderie you need the fellowship you need the the uh, just the just the being here there's something about just being here just being in church with other great ladies of faith that just makes a difference in life don't become an island don't pull yourself away don't isolate yourself get involved get energized by what's happening at Christian Life Church amen and watch God do great things in your life. So that's Friday at uh, 7 o'clock. That service will be upstairs in the youth, in the youth hall. And then Saturday all day will uh, we'll be right here from 9 to 4. It's going to be a great, great time, and you're going to enjoy it. Thank you for that $50, Patty, that you gave me to make that announcement. I appreciate that. I, uh, I tried to find a Band-Aid that would, that would fit this finger. Vicky's got all kinds of Band-Aids, but none of them are stickable. You know, band-aids, when you try to band-aid something sometimes, you get a little wet or you get something on your, on your hand, some kind of lotion, that band-aid just loses all viscosity, all grippability. And it just falls off, it just unravels. But I got me a blue aid here tonight, a blue band-aid. I promise you, it's cutting the blood off my finger right now. <laughs> it is a gripping band-aid. And uh, when I put it on, I kind of got tickled. And I started to take it off. I said, no, it's sticking because I needed it on this finger. I have some problem with this finger, and I've got a, some medicine on this finger, and I've got to have that Band-Aid. 
So when I raise this finger, I'm going to be pointing the, the blue finger at you. <laughs> Amen. Don't think that I have lost my mind. I just thought I'd share that with you because you'll say, what in the world's he got on his hand? It's a Band-Aid, all right? It's a Band-Aid. So don't get your goggles out. Don't get your binoculars out and try to figure out what it is. It's a Band-Aid. We're running a different play here tonight, all right? Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad to be in church with you tonight. I'm happy to be here with you. Wow, wow, you look so good. Jim, it's good to see you. Love you. Look so good tonight. God bless you. You're awesome. Just remain standing just for a moment. You're going to be sitting a while. We are, we are very conscious of your time. We thank you for coming on Wednesday night. We want you to get those kids to bed by a decent hour, and I think 11 o'clock is a great hour. The youth pastor has a problem because I've been dismissing a little earlier than him, and so he's been asking me, now, what time are you going to dismiss tonight, Pastor? So, uh, you know, I, I never know. It depends on how reared up I get, how, how, how under it I get. I, I, sometimes I feel it, and sometimes it just kind of comes out of me, and I can't stop. But I am still a man that believes in the time that we're in, and, and we must redeem the time. Extraordinary. We're talking about it tonight, third part. Extraordinary, third part tonight. God, everybody say God. God. Everybody say you. you. Everybody say us. us. God wants us to be extraordinary. He wants this church to be extraordinary because He is an extraordinary God. Do you believe that? You know, it's it's just it's just so much easier to talk about this now after we've kind of got into this 21 days of prayer. And, after we've been talking about circle making on Sunday morning, it kind of ties in cousins in to the Sunday morning sessions. And we're trying to just bring faith. We're trying to bring a lot of hope, a lot of newness, a lot of renewal in your life at the first of the year. And I think it's imperative that we get off to a great start. And we're going we're gonna to do that. Turn to somebody, shake their hands, say, I'm going to help the pastor speak tonight. And you may be seated. God bless you. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Randy. Now, uh, on Friday night, on Friday night here at the church, you need to listen up here. On Friday night at the church, we are going to have Pop Burris' funeral in this auditorium. The ladies will be meeting at 7 o'clock there. We'll be here at 6 o'clock for Pop Burris' funeral. And uh, he was a man that went to this church for some 20 years. He was right close to his 91st birthday. So he had retired from the pastorate, and he was here and he was such a gentle man, such a good man. He possessed the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to have a wonderful time in his home going here on Friday evening at 6 o'clock. So if, uh, if some of you people would like to come to that and stay and then go to the ladies' conference, some of you ladies would, would, would appreciate if you'd come. He was a member of this church for a long, long time. And many times people that live to be 91, right at 91, they outlive their friends. And uh, so it's imperative that, that people that are younger than he come and support. And I know that young people many times do not attend funerals because uh, they, they, they think it's a little morbid. And they, so there's they, just a tendency in America not to be a part of funerals unless it's a tra tragic situation. And this man was not a tragic situation. He was a tremendous, tremendous person of God, a great Christian. And, and I told somebody the other day, if he didn't make heaven, we might as well just shut this church down and just going to business, doing something else, selling bicycles or something because the man walked the truth and was what the truth said it should be. Amen. 
So we're going to have that here at 6 o'clock. Then we'll bury him Saturday. It'll be a family burial down in San Antonio, so there won't be a burial afterwards. Of course, you know it'll be dark, and we won't be burying him that night. We'll be doing it the next day in San Antonio. So God bless, and I, I thank you. The Howells would appreciate uh, your prayers the rest of this week. We're starting the year in the study of the book of Ephesians. It's a book that was written by the, uh, the Apostle Paul when he, was, when he was imprisoned, and it was to the church at Ephesus. And it was intended for churches everywhere. The book of Ephesians is not a book of correction. It's not a book that says, I'm going to set you straight. I'm going to tell you how it is. It's a book that wants people to rise above the normalcy of the ordinary. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of churches today that have sunk into just the, just the humdrum of ordinarism, and God does not want us to live there. In addition to the Wednesday messages that we have been teaching, we have so much more to offer in Bible study in this church. And for you that are new, uh, we want to we tell you about both men and women. Of course, when, uh, Friday night the ladies will be meeting next door and then Saturday here. And that will be a great time to learn more about life and more about the Word of God. And then the men, starting on Monday night, February the 4th, we're going to start a series next door upstairs called Dare to Be Uncommon. Dare to Be Uncommon. It's a men's study on Monday night, and I promise you I've looked through it. I have, I have I've researched it. It will change your life. It will change your life. And besides that, we're going to be offering food before the Word. So we know you guys are different than ladies. We know the ladies can come with their savelt look, and they don't have to eat. They can have a little crumpet and a little tea, but you guys want sandwiches, and we understand that. And you want pizza, and you want a lot of it. You want a lot of it. Last year when we was in one of our studies, I saw a couple of guys just kind of waiting outside the wing that already had two pieces, and they were waiting to see if anything else was popping in there. And as soon as the last person was served, they came back in and said, you got any more? And we popped them two more. And then they went outside and ate again. They, they was looking again, see if anything was left. Those boys scarfed it down. I love that. So starting point then is also this Sunday, the 27th. We're going to have a wonderful time after the first service uh, at 1030. We'll be meeting next door or in the, in the, in the multipurpose room. And the staff will be meeting with new people there that want to get plugged in and we're going to be talking to you about that and we're going to serve you a little a little uh, delightful thing there and, and maybe some coke and maybe uh, uh, some some uh, dessert or something that will just ruin your lunch and uh, we're going to do that and we're going to be talking about how to get plugged into Christian Life Church so there's a lot of things in fact you can go to the website and read about some things that we're, we're about to do but if God gives you a miracle, if God gives you a miracle, I, I, I've been asking you all month to write it down. Write about it. Put it down. Write the vision. Habakkuk said, make it plain. And though it tarries, it will come to pass. I don't understand what it is about writing something down, but when you write it down, when you put it down and say, thus saith the Lord, God, you gave me a word. I'm going to write this word down. And you put that on your refrigerator and you walk by it every day and you repeat it and you say it and you say it and say it again. There's something about it. God just comes through for you. Amen. Many times we forget and it, doesn't, it leaves our mind. But if you will write it down, make it plain, it will come to pass. Even though it tarries, it will not lie. Write your experiences. Bring them to the information booth. We want to hear about them. I've shared some already and we're going to share them with the church. This is a wonderful time. Can you say amen? amen? It's a wonderful time. Building on the completeness 
of 2012, now the promotion of 2013. How many of you really believe that God wants to put you to another level this year? Just another, I mean, come on. Another level, just another level, just another rung, just going up a little higher, just going a little greater, and then doing a little more for God. I know I'm not talking about drastically. I'm just talking about moving you to another level of existence. It's time to praise God for his goodness. It's time to praise God for his salvation. It's time to praise God for his deliverance. It's time to praise God for his healings. It's time to praise God for special miracles. Amen? The special things. When you get home, or you might want to do it tonight if you get bored, listen to me teach. Psalms chapter 107 is unbelievable because in verse 8, in verse 15, in verse 21, and in verse 31, it's the same scripture. And here's what it says. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. That's verse 8. Verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Psalms 107 and 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And 31 says the exact same thing. What I'm trying to tell you, that's what God wants us to do for him and to him. For his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Oh, that men would open up their mouth and clap their hands and say, What a great God I have. Four times in one chapter. David says, oh, that men would praise him. Oh, that men would magnify the Lord for his goodness. So you got to get the point four times. Same word, same writing, same writer. He just seemed to drive it home. But Ephesians is simply this. It's an exhortation to God's people to elevate their thinking in regard to God, themselves and the church they're now a part of. How many believe, I'm going to say it again, believe that you have an extraordinary God? Can I hear you? Can I hear you? Oh, that man. He's extraordinary. He's extraordinary to you. How many believe that you're in an extraordinary church here tonight? This is not my church. This is, this is God's church. He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is God's church. How many believe you're in an extraordinary church tonight? And how many of you believe that you are an extraordinary individual because you're made in the image of God? We serve an extraordinary God. You are an extraordinary people. And we belong to God's extraordinary church. I had it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgression and your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. But we by nature objects, uh, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved.
the Apostle Paul is saying, he said, I want you to get this straight, Ephesians. I want you to get it straight. Who you were is not who you are. Who you were is not who you are. I don't know if anybody here has ever heard of the Japanese repair technique called kintsugi. Anybody ever heard of that kintsugi? Some of you folks that work with pottery may, or ceramics may understand it. But there was a, a, a person that sent in some, some ceramic uh, pieces one day that had broken in a fall. And the owner was sent back an ugly metal staple that was holding the ceramic pieces together. And horrified by the shoddy workmanship of that, the owner complained. And his complaints eventually led to the art of kintsugi. Kintsugi is a restoration process, spelled K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. It's a restoration process that seeks not to make broken ceramics as good as new, but is to make them better than new. The broken pieces are first sealed together with rosin, which once it hardens, is carefully buffed so that the offending crack is almost imperceptible to the casual eye. But that's just the first step. In Kintsugi, the repair lines, you got to hear this, are not disguised to the point of invisibility. Instead, watch this now, they are highlighted. The rosin repair line is boldly outlined with lacquer that contains real gold. And the result is a golden river tracing the length and the breadth of the break. So the final product is a repaired piece that is far more exquisite and beautiful than the original that was whole and unmarked. The bold lines and the gold streaks jig and jag, branch and squiggle across the ceramic surface of the repaired item. The gold glow glows and gleams, illuminating not the flaw of the breakage, but the giftedness of the artisan who worked the repair. And so the Japanese people say kintsugi is not restoration. Kintsugi is transformation. I want, I want to say something to you tonight. I, I'm about to blow up in my spirit right now. I'm about to go crazy. If Japanese people can take an old piece of ceramic that has been busted and shattered and bring it back together to a point where it looks greater than it was before it was broken, what do you think that God Almighty can do with an old boy that's been just messed up in sin broken down, shattered. He said he would make again a new vessel. And I promise you, the vessel that God made when he restored you, when he transformed you, is greater than the vessel you ever were before you found Jesus Christ in your life. You're not ordinary. You are extra ordinary. Say, I'm extraordinary. If you're going to make way for the extraordinary in your life, there has to be a departure from the ideas about yourself that's inconsistent with the way God sees you. You will never rise above the image you have of yourself in your mind. Let me speak to you. Let me speak to your hearts here tonight. Every image, every idea, every concept that doesn't match God's has to be traded in. Turn in your sorrows and get some joy. 
Turn in your mourning and get some oil of gladness. Turn in your old sins and get a brand new life. Because God Almighty is not just here to restore you. He's here to transform you and to make you better than you were when you were before you were ever broken in your life. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. There was a guy in Bible times by the name of Gideon. Anybody ever read about Gideon in the book of Judges? Gideon was a, was a, a great man and, and with an army that started at 32,000 and was diminished to 10,000 and then diminished to 300. He took on a whole, a whole army of, of Midianites and Amalekites in the valley and uh, absolutely destroyed them with 300 men. But an angel appeared to him. You've got to get this now. And said, the Lord is with you. Say, the Lord is with me. I want you to repeat that. The Lord's with me. He said, you mighty man of valor. Say, I'm a mighty man. I'm a mighty woman of valor. Say it. The Amplified Version says, you mighty man of fearless courage. Wow. You mighty man of fearless courage. Now, many people don't see that. Believe it or not. That's how God saw Gideon, and that's how God sees us. He regards us as a strong, courageous, overcoming person. You might say, no way, preacher, no way, God. God wouldn't see me that way. He spoke to Gideon that way because Gideon was secure, and Gideon was confident, and he was a great leader. Not so. In fact, when the angel began to tell Gideon how he wanted him to go save his people from the Midianites, a vicious pagan people who had overrun the land of the Israelites, Gideon immediately began to speak out of his insecurities. He said, how do you expect me to help? What do you want me to do, God? I come from the poorest family of the tribe of Manasseh. I can't do it. I'm the least among my family. I'm at the bottom of the barrel of potential. My history is against me. Isn't it interesting to see how God spoke to his potential and not his past? Some people think that when a pastor gets up and preaches this kind of message that he's just trying to give you a little PMI, positive mental attitude or PMA or whatever. But I'm here to tell you, when a God speaks like that, who am I to tell you you can't? Who am I to tell you that you're not able? Who am I to try to stop what God is speaking into your world? Why don't I just speak? Why don't I just tell you what God wants you to know? Why don't I just speak what God is saying? We might get on the same page someday and believe that we really can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Amen. Now, now, now watch this. Gideon felt weak. God saw him as strong. He said, I am the least of the Manasseh people. And God didn't speak to that past. He spoke to his potential. And then Gideon made a sacrifice to God at that time. Because when you hear a word like that, it ought to make you feel sacrificial. It ought to make you say, wow, I'd like to bless that God with an offering. I'd like to bless that God with a praise. I'd like to offer a prayer time to that God. If he believes in me that greatly, why can't I clap my hands for him? Why can't I pay a tithe, a tenth to him? Why can't I sacrifice something to him? Because he sees potential in me. 
Don't ever think God judges you by your past. And then God coaxed him to go down to the tents of the Midianites because he knew that Gideon still had a little doubt. He said, I want you to take your servant, Furah. He said, if you're afraid, I want you to take Furah down there with you. Now, Gideon never said he was afraid, but he did take Furah down in the valley with him. Sometimes you don't have to talk. Sometimes it just talks for you. So he heard a man, when he got down into the valley, he heard one of these Midianite boys tell a dream. And when he heard the dream, then he heard the interpretation. Here was the dream. The dream was, hey, last night I dreamed that a barley cake of bread came into the tent in this valley and tore this place up. Just a little old barley cake. <laughs> they said, that old boy said, what do you think that could be? And the interpretation was, the old boy that was in the tent with him said, that's none other than the sword of Gideon. That's the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Boy, they put a lineage on him. They said, this man is unbelievable that God has delivered the Midianites into his hands. God saw him as mighty. Hear me now. The enemy saw him as mighty. And here we are in the middle saying, oh, I can't do it. I can't let it happen. I can't be a witness. I can't bring people to the house of God. I can't overcome this situation. I can't get past this affliction. I can't get past this, this, this evil spirit that wants to afflict me. I can't get past my, my, my habits. I can't get past them. God says you're mighty. The enemy says, I can't handle you. I look at you as a barley cake, but you'll tear down the tents in the valley. If God believes mighty, if the enemy believes mighty, why don't we get some mighty in us and say, I can, I can. Oh, I like what Gideon did. When he heard that man interpret that dream, the Bible said, this is the two words, he worshiped. He worshiped. Anybody ever felt like that God just wanted you to just say, Hallelujah? I think some people think, you know, sometime we'd get out of order if we just said, you know, I'm going to worship because the enemy thinks I'm a bad man. I'll never forget when it hit me, when it dawned on me that I had something hell couldn't handle. You got something hell can't handle. You got something hell can't handle. The enemy's already admitted it. The enemy's already admitted it. God's already said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Why don't you get on your feet every now and then and clap your hands and say, I'm going to worship because God has told me I'm mighty. The enemy has told me I'm destructive in his kingdom. I'm going to worship the God of glory because he has told me the truth. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Be what God sees in you. Be what the enemy is afraid of in you. That's why he brings you all those knick-knack. How's that song go? Knick-knack, tell about give your dog a bone. This old man came going home or something. Came rolling home. 
Why, why? That's why the devil always tries to, tries to bring all that fuzzy stuff to you. He tries to take your eye off the prize and take your eye off of who you really are in Christ. You're extraordinary. You're phenomenal people. I want to talk to the people in this room who have been worried or fearful about overstepping your boundaries. You have let what you can't do stop you from doing from what you can do. Well, I can't sing. Well, that ain't the end of the world. Well, I'm not a good teacher. Well, that's not the end of the world either. Well, I don't know what I can do. Hey, how about telling somebody how good God is in your life? The greatest, the greatest thing that this world lacks is people that share Jesus. The greatest thing that this world lacks, oh, we got a lot of people that are Bereans in their mindset. You'll find them in Acts 17. They'll tell you when the preacher preaches good or not. I had a man come to me and said, you know, Paul never wrote a letter to the Bereans because they're always right. And I wanted to just slap him. <laughs> yeah, and they got one sentence in the New Testament. I'd rather have a lot of problems and get somebody to write me a letter and let people know I'm here. But there's some people, they think that's their gift. My gift is to make sure everybody else is doing it right. That's what I'm in the church for. Hello. I don't think God made you mighty and extraordinary. So you go around saying, Brother Royce, would you calm down with your worship? Brother Tom, would you not get up on your feet so much? Would you not pray for so many people, Brother Tom, Sister Nancy, because would you not visit so many hospitals because you might impress somebody? Would you not do that? Let me tell you something. It does not matter what hell tries to throw against you. When you open your mouth and you share Jesus and the joy of the Lord's in your heart, people don't hear that anymore. They don't hear that anymore. They need somebody to say, I have found it. I have found him whom my soul longeth for. And you know what? When they know that you know in your heart that you have that kind of God, they'll say, tell me where you go to church. Tell me where you go. What time the service starts? Because I want to be a part of that. We have people here tonight. There's folks in the house tonight. They're not here to hear a preacher. They're here to feel the presence of God. Anybody want to say amen to that? Anybody want to say thank you, Lord, to that? They want to know that there's people that don't go to sleep in the house of God during church. They want to know somebody still claps their hands and somebody still says praise the Lord and somebody still believes that God's a healer and somebody still believes that God's a savior and somebody believes that God can still turn lives around and make a bright day where the dark night existed. Amen. 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 Some people have leadership in them. You have talents you've used in other places that you've never used to build God's kingdom. You've watched self-promoting people try to make a name for themselves and you have vowed you won't do that. So you sit in quietness and you, you don't want recognition and your modesty is inhibiting you and it's hindering you. You're not the first one who's been reluctant to step into the, out of the shadows into the spotlight. You're not. God needs you to set aside your fears and your inhibitions and say, I may be the least in my family of Manasseh, but God, if you say that I'm a mighty man of valor, I am going to go forward in the name of the Lord. Be a voice in your world of influence. Use a platform you have. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 through 10. Just one part of that said, And God raised us up. Say, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms 
in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, God raised us up. He didn't put us down. I know it's simple, but he didn't put us down. He raised us up. Say, he raised us up. When God works on you, it's always a lift. He raised us up. He's brought us up. God raised us up. Question, where is up? Where is Christ seated? What does up look like? Up. Chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. That's what up looks like. And every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That's what up looks like. It's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. There's nothing that can hold you down when you set up with Christ in heavenly places. Why don't you get out of January this year one thing, that I have come into this year believing that I'm not an ordinary, that I'm not going to be fearful anymore, that I'm not going to let hell talk me out of what God has for me, that I know God's for me. I know the enemy's afraid of me. I just got to get it in my mind. And he has called me to set up with him in heavenly places. And I'm going to be what God, oh, hallelujah, wants me to be this year like never before in my life. I'm going to get up. I'm going to sit with him. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to be identified with that in heavenly places in my life. That's what up looks like. I wish I could tell you all God's people, that all God's people live up. But there's one of, the, one of my most favorite songs ever sung. Lord, lift us up where we belong, where the eagles fly. Old Joe Cocker says, on a mountainside. I can do a little Ray Charles. He's my black brother, but I can do him. I don't want nobody out there saying, I don't have soul. Don't you say that to me. Not in this house. Don't you say that. Don't come in this house talking that language. I had a sister tell me that one time. I rebuked her. She didn't say no more. Everybody say Deuteronomy 28. I want you to read it. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I just want you, I want you to listen to me, but I want you to read it. I want you to write some things down. Up is a place of blessing. Everybody say blessing. blessing. Being blessed in the city. Being blessed in the country. Being blessed in your business. Being blessed at home. Being blessed in your going out. Being blessed in your coming in. Everybody say blessing. blessing. It's where up is. You got it? Up is a place of blessing. Up is also a place of unity. Write it down. It's also a place of unity. Up is a place of unity with God. You need to unite with God. You need to quit trying to tell God what you want him to do for you. You need to start saying, God, what do you want me to do for you? You need to reverse the process. I promise you, when you get in tandem with him, oh, the sky's the limit. Everybody say, up is a place of unity. Belonging to a people group established by God to honor God. You're in a church. That's unity. Blessed are those that come to the spirit of unity. Psalms 133 said he commands a blessing. Even life forevermore on a spirit of unity. 
It's like the oil poured on Aaron's head down into his beard, into his clothes. It goes all the way through the body. There's something about unity that hell cannot destroy. In fact, Almighty God came down, had to confound the language at the Tower of Babel because he said they will complete what they started. They'll build a tower to the heavens. So God had to confound the language. Hell wants to confound the language of the church so that we can't build what God wants us to build. But 2013, we're going to speak the same language. We're going to talk the same talk. We're going to believe in the same God. We're going to trust the same faith, and we're going to trust that God is going to bless CLC in an abundant way because up is a place of unity. Up is a place of sufficiency. It's a place of prosperity. Can you say amen? It's a place of sufficiency and prosperity, experience in abundance, abundant prosperity, being the lender instead of the borrower, having enough money to bless the house of God, opening the heavens of your life and in your life. God Almighty never shuts a door that he doesn't open a window. You understand that. God will never let you go without. You trust him. David said, I'm an old man. I once was a young man. But what did he say? I've never seen righteous people forsaken or received begging bread. Up is a place of power and authority. Say power and authority. Say blessing. Say unity. Say sufficiency and prosperity. Say power and authority. Say it, power and authority. That's what up is. Being the head, not the tail. Walking in the commandments of God. Experiencing the favor of God. Ruling in life. Standing above circumstances rather than being buried by your circumstances. That's where up is. You're on top of your situation, not underneath the dregs of life. How many like to switch places? You know, Jesus saw a woman with an infirmity. He said, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Many people think he healed her and she just walked away. No, 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 no. What he said was, I'm going to reverse. I'm going to reverse. The, the actual writing, I'm going to reverse. The infirmity is not going to hold you. You're going to hold it. It will never stop you again. Sometimes we think we want God to heal us completely. Why don't we just let God put us on top of situations instead of letting those situations get on top of us? You're never going to be bubble wrapped in this life. You're never going to be bubble wrapped. You're never going to have Eden, but you're going to have the God of Eden living in you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And he wants to put you on top of your infirmity instead of your infirmity ruling you, it, you rule it. Same thing with Paul and the Praetorian guards. Same thing. Many people thought that Paul was chained to those guards. They were chained to him, folks. I love a song, Greater Vision, sings about I was chained to a prisoner. Wow. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing how Paul looked at his situations. In fact, in the book of Philippians, I read it to the staff yesterday, the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 19, he said, My God shall supply all your needs. Paul was so confident in his God. He said, My God's big enough to take care of all y'all. I'll share mine. If you don't have enough God, I'll share mine. He'll take care of all your needs. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? God's able. God's able. God's able. He's an extraordinary God. So if God has raised us up, then what's hindering so many of God's people from living up? I'll give you four things and I'm, I'm done. Four things and I'm done. Number one, you'll be held down if you don't know who you are and where you came from. I want everybody, I want everybody to say something with me right now. I, I am, am 
a child of the Most High God. That's who I am. I do not have a monkey for an uncle. I don't have my origin in a toxic collision of gases or to amoebas colliding. That's not how I got here. I am. It may sound like I'm bragging, but I am. Divine design. I am. Divine design. I am what God planned me to be right now. Created in the image of God. You will be held down if you don't know who you are and where you came from. Number two, you'll be held down if you allow the people that pull people down to pull you down. I talked about those crabs last week. They don't want those crabs to get out of that basket. So every time one gets a, a Holy Ghost spirit to try to get out of the basket, some of those center crabs reach up and pull him down. And say, no, you're not getting out of the basket. So they never have to put a lid on a crab basket because crabs won't let other crabs get out of the basket. And a lot of people don't want you to be blessed. They don't want you to be blessed. They have this thing about pulling people down. If you're going to live up where you belong, you will have to make it up in your mind that you're not going to let people, people get you down. There's always a Haman in your world, Mordecai. There's always a guard in your life, Paul. There's always somebody that's there to give you bad reports. There's always a Shua. There's always somebody that's going to give an evil report when Joshua and Caleb give good reports. They believe the report of Shua and the ten and didn't believe the report of Joshua and Caleb. Barbara Streisand sings a song, People Who Need People Are the Luckiest People in the World. That is so true with few exceptions. You do not need people that are always pulling you down, trying to get you down pulling you to where they are living because most people don't like it when one of their peers start to break out of the ordinary, out of the common lifestyle. So many people never experience all God has for them because they want the approval of their friends more than they want to live the greater extraordinary life that God has for them. That don't mean you have to get conceited. It just has to mean that when you get to where God wants you to be in this life, when you start living that extraordinary life, you don't have to be cocky. You don't have to be arrogant. You just can be self-assured that God Almighty has not put me here to fail. God Almighty has put me here to succeed, and I'm going to succeed. I may have a third-grade education. I may have to educate myself. One of my dearest friends in this town went to the ninth grade, and he owned a huge business that he sold recently for a bunch of money. But I'm here to tell you, it wasn't his, it wasn't his IQ or his, it was his attitude quotient. He believed that he could achieve what God had put him here for. And I'm telling you, you can be an achiever without being cocky or arrogant. You just can't let people that don't want to go where you're going to pull you down. Stand up. Declare who you are. Make a statement. This is what I am.
See, if you decide to live up where you belong, they'll accuse you of thinking you're better. They'll say you're not the same person. You've changed. They will get jealous of new people God brings in your life. The sure way to avoid criticism is to say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. When I was just a young man, I had just a little bit of success evangelizing. When I first started, I, it just was a God thing. Always has been. And all of a sudden, there were some people, some people that didn't like that, and they started saying, I preached too wild. Oh, I used to go crazy when I preached. <laughs> used to run all over the building, lay hands on people, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> took, I took oil and kept it in my pocket so I could just pour oil on them and pray for them. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Okay, I admit, I admit it's crazy. But God used that in the 70s to do something to people. It inspired their faith. When you didn't have anything to say because you had a Thompson Chain Bible and you had a Prudence Concordance and you didn't have all these illustrations, all these stories built up after 43 years of preaching. You know, it, 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 it took some shaking and standing on the front bench and saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory. And, and I, had a, I had a preacher pull me in one time, and he said, you know what, you know what, he said, you know what they want you to do? They want you to go out back home to West Texas and just be nothing. That's what they want because they don't want to see you succeed. That man died the same day my dad died. Merle Ewan meant the world to me back in that day, and he spoke into my world. He said, they, they, want, they want to see you flop. They want to see you fail. They'd rather see you fail than succeed. He said, I've lived that life, son. People want to see you flop. But you cannot listen to people that want to pull you down. Run with people that believe that you can achieve what God has in your life. You see these young men sitting over here? I spent about an hour, hour and ten minutes with these two right here. Just, just yesterday or day before you, just yesterday. And we just talked, just talked. And it carried over into lunch. They love me to take them to lunch because I buy they love it. They love it. So we, we go, we go, we do good things on Tuesday. Tuesday's good day, isn't it, boys? Tuesday's good day. And, and, I, and, and I got so much faith in these guys. I got so much faith in them. Why would I want them not to succeed? I have felt that pressure. Why? They don't realize right now how lucky they are working for me. Because if they knew how much I was for them, Oh, they understand. I'm just preaching now. Okay, I'm preaching. But if they knew how much I was for them, and I want them to say, go get them, boy. Rawr, get them. Eat them up. Preach the gospel. Raise a huge church. Build a dynamic ministry. Go, 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 go. I want you to do the same thing. I want you to get up and go. Come on. Be a great employee on your job. Be a great father. Be a great mother. Be a great student. Be the greatest you can be. Be extraordinary for God Almighty. Don't let people pull you down. Number three, you'll be held down if you get hung up on only having what you deserve. It's not about what we deserve. If it were about what we deserve, we wouldn't even have a hope of salvation. Living up is not based on deserving to live up. It's about God's unearned, unmerited favor. It's called grace. 
Everybody say, by grace I'm saved. It's the undeserved blessings in our lives. It's the undeserved blessings in our life. We don't deserve what God has done for us. But if you think I'm going to sit here and pine and repine and say, I'm so undeserved. I'm going to say, God, I thank you. Because you believe in me with 300 people to do something in a city that's full of people that don't know God. God, you have allowed us to build a church and it's not finished. We're just beginning to do what you want us to do because people are getting on board with mindsets and hearts and faith and trust. There's nothing like what God can do with the people when they believe that they are extraordinary and God's extraordinary and the church is extraordinary. Say amen. amen. And the fourth thing, you will be held down if you let your failures be your story instead of just an event. There are people that have a hard time sometimes identifying with particular things that happen in church. There are, there are women that long to get expectant and pregnant with children. Let me talk very sweet to you now. And somehow that just hadn't happened in your world. And Mother's Day may be hard for you. Dad's Day may be hard for you, sir, because you've wanted that all your life. You've desired that, and it hadn't happened. But let me tell you something. Just because you're not a mom and a dad does not make you any less on any day when you come to the house of God. You are who you are what God wants you to be right now, right now. And if you believe that he is for you, and if you believe that you're a mighty man and a mighty woman of valor, there is nothing can stop you from being complete. There are people that have problems when somebody gets up and says, I was a former alcoholic. And we realize that we're battling with that demon right now. I used to do drugs, but I'm free. It's all right to celebrate with that. But it don't mean we're throwing you under the bus because you hadn't got your liberty yet. If anybody disagrees with this, get some grace in you, baby. This church is for people looking for help and seeking hope in their life. It's not judging people and saying, because you're not here, you're not welcome. No, 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 no. Let your past failures be an event in your life and not your story. Pastor, if you just only knew, it don't matter. It does not matter what you were or who you were or where you are in your life. It doesn't matter. God Almighty wants to help you to become extraordinary. Verse 10 says, second of Ephesians 2, 10, for we are God's workmanship. The Greek word there means poema. We are his poetry in motion. We are his song. Wow. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared in advance for us to do. We are 
the song. God sings the song to us. And we hear the song and we go forward and we do the things God wants us to do. We've been placed here on purpose for a purpose. God intended us to be here right now at this point in history right now. So if you're being held back today, it's not God holding you back. It's not this pastor holding you back. It's not this church holding you back. If you're held down today, it's not God holding you down. It's not a pastor holding you down. It's not a church holding you down. God created a plan through our relationship with Christ Jesus that has restored us back to a place of right standing with God, a place of salvation, and everybody say absolute victory. I close today. He's made us kings and priests, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're not just conquerors, folks. We are more than conquerors. If God's church is ever held back, it's not God holding us back. God's given us everything we need to win the battle in life. God's given us everything we need to be a glorious, glorious church. Amen. Amen. And I know many of you say the best part of the sermon is he got through at 8.40. But you know, there is something that I want to share with you. God takes an anvil and he takes the hammer and he chisels our life. And he takes off the things that do not look like and act like and perform like him so that when what's left is in the image of him and I believe with everything that's in me I believe this with all that's in me the way many of us have been raised we have been taught about what we couldn't do in Christ our failures have been crowned and our awards and our winnings have been second and third place and we see this giant, magnificent problem. And we see ourselves in pity and wanting. God wants to reverse that process. And he wants to reverse it because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Say with me, I can, I can overcome, overcome some afflictions. I can, I can overcome some habits I can overcome some weak thinking I can be victorious I can be extraordinary stand to your feet you're awesome I love you very much stand to your feet that's a piano on steroids Fusion. Amen. Amen. All right, here's, here's what I want, you, I want you to bow your head right quick. I want you to bow your head, and I want you to make this commitment to God. God, when it's time to sing, I'm going to sing with all I have. When it's time to worship, I'm going to worship with all my heart. When it's time to hear the word, I'm going to listen with everything that's in me. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to glean. When it's time to read the word of the Lord, I'm going to open up my heart and not just read the novel of the word. I'm going to read the novel and how glorious 
it is and how much of a novelty it is, the Word of God. And I'm going to let it capture my spirit. Several people have come to me just this year and said, Pastor, I'm starting to read the Bible again this year. And all of a sudden, I see it. I see it. I'm understanding what I'm reading because I asked God to give me an understanding of the Word of God. And I'm reading now, and I'm understanding what I'm reading. Pastor, isn't that exciting? You think I'm going to stand there and say, wow, oh, I wish you'd grow up. No, it's exciting. That's so exciting. Somebody's reading the Word, and they're getting it. They're getting it. They're getting it. My wife is the most avid reader. She's an avid reader. She's an avid reader. When she puts lotion on her feet at night, she sits on the edge of the bed while her feet are drying. Lord, it takes a long time for her feet to dry. And she reads the Bible, reads the Word, reads the Word, reads the Word. And I says, your feet dry yet? No. Reading that Word, reading that Word, reading that Word. The feet are absolutely Sahara Desert dry. And she's still reading that word. I love it. I love it. I love it. We are extraordinary people. 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 I opened this Bible today and I was reading in the Psalms. Yesterday I was reading in the Psalms. And that's where I came across Psalms 107. It was unbelievable. Verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, verse 28, wherever. I saw it. I said, well, verse 31, I said, wow. It's unbelievable that God put something in the same chapter four times. I wish you would praise me for my goodness. I wish you would love me for my goodness. If you have received these words in the last three weeks about extraordinary, I want you to step out in the aisle. And I want you to come down here and I want to bless you tonight in the name of the Lord. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.